but then I'd have to be sensitive, and is that possible for a man? Now, just get it out of your system right now. Everybody on three. One, two, three, boo. Okay, one, two, three. Boo. All right, that's it. That'll be it for today. And in our past two sessions, we focused on the grace that's needed to face marital realities. And uh, we've narrowed the realities down to just four that we want to discuss. And the first three we've uh, looked at in detail. And that was marital reality number one is that marriage requires uh, mutual unselfishness. If your marriage is to survive, you cannot be selfish, you cannot demand your own rights, you cannot keep track and score of whose turn it is to give in this time. You just have to be unselfish. The second thing is, we saw that marriage also involves a lifelong commitment, that there are many things that we'll go through, and the third reality was that marriage involves, you know, times of trouble. So as we work through these and as we're committed to one another and we challenged each other to eliminate the word divorce from our, our vocabulary, that when you're committed to something forever, it changes the way you pursue resolving your conflict. If you believe that there's an out, you'll look for a way to get out of it. But if you believe that you're in it forever, then you're going to find a way to make it work. And that's just the way that it is. And that's what God's program is all about. Mutual unselfishness, lifelong commitment, and times of trouble are realities that face us if you are married. And the fourth thing that we began to look at last time was that marriage involves distinct roles for husbands and wives. A distinct role for a husband, a distinct role for a wife. And we need to take a look at that in great detail. You know, one of the things that, uh, now, it's been my observation that uh, the differences between men and women, the differences between a husband and a wife, can either become the greatest asset in our marriage or can also become the single most cause of conflict that can rip us apart. The differences between men and women. And as we'll find out, there are several. And we need to understand that because I found that most of the conflict revolves around what our expectations are of one another. What we expect and what we get oftentimes are drastically different. I like uh, the way one man put it. He said that, you know what, every man that enters into marriage expects this of his ideal wife. He said he expects that she'll always be beautiful and cheerful. She could have married movie stars, but wanted only you. She has hair that never needs curlers or beauty shops. The ideal wife has beauty that won't run in a rainstorm. She's never sick. She's just allergic to jewelry and fur coats. <laughs> All right, preach it, brother. All right, I get it. She insists that moving furniture by herself is great for her figure. She's an expert in cooking and cleaning house and fixing the car or the TV, painting the house and, and keeping quiet. Her fi two favorite hobbies are mowing the lawn and shoveling snow. She hates credit cards. She hates Nordstrom. I just threw that in there. That's just, you know, it's a local thing there. Her favorite expression is, what can I do for you, dear? Oh. She thinks you have Einstein's brains but look like Mr. America. She wishes you'd go out more with the boys so she could get some sewing done for you. <laughs> she loves you because you're just so sexy. That's what every guy expects, but this is what he gets. <laughs> she speaks 140 words a minute with gusts up to 180. She once was a model for a totem pole. She's a light eater as soon as it gets light. She starts eating. Where there's smoke, there she is. 
cooking. <laughs> she lets you know you only have two faults. Everything you say and everything you do. <laughs> if you get lost, all you need to do is open your wallet and she'll find you. <laughs> now, uh, now in, in all fairness to, to the women out there, we also have what every wife expects when she gets married. All right? Every wife expects her husband to be a brilliant conversationalist. Every wife expects her husband to be very sensitive, kind, understanding, a truly loving, hard-working man. A man who helps around the house by washing dishes, vacuuming floors, taking care of the yard. Someone who helps his wife raise their children. A man of emotional and physical strength. A man who's as smart as Einstein, but she always oh, just looks like Robert Redford. That's what she expects. But here's what she gets. He always takes her to the best restaurants. Someday, he may even take her inside for something to eat. <laughs> he doesn't have any ulcers. He just gives them. Anytime he has an idea in his head, he has the whole thing in a nutshell. <laughs> hey, now, no more booing. I told you already. We laid the groundwork out here. He's well known as a miracle worker. It's a miracle when he works. <laughs> he supports his wife in the manner that she's used to. And that is, he's letting her keep her job. That a guy. He's such a bore, he even bores you to death when he tries to give you a compliment. And he has occasional flashes of silence that makes his conversation brilliant. Well, to avoid any confusion and to remove conflict, we need to understand what God expects of a wife and what God expects of a husband. Now, if you remember, last time we got together, we saw the distinct role of a wife. So if you're here as a woman for the first time, you got kind of lucky. And that is that God expects four things of, of a wife, and that is God expects a wife to recognize her husband's leadership in your own home. Not every woman is to be submissive to every man, and we need to clarify that because that's where a lot of the problems are created in our society. God specifically says in every situation that a wife is to be submissive and recognize the leadership of her own husband in her own home. And that's structure, and there's order, and there's purpose, and that's God's plan. That she's also to restrain from certain activities that would embarrass him in some ways, whether it's the way she dresses provocatively or flattering speech as she flirts with other men, that she's to be sensible in her emotions and con under control as far as emotionally, that she's to be pure in her conduct, and that she's also to be kind in her motives as they deal with other people. She's to respect her husband. She's not to embarrass him in front of other people. She's not to put him on the spot when they're out in public somewhere and call him out in front of a friend or a group of friends or even in front of her children. And that's something that we needed to really go through, but we didn't. But let me just encourage you, ladies, if you're out there, listen to what I have to say. Don't embarrass your husband in front of your children because you're teaching your daughters to disrespect their future husbands and you're teaching your sons that you have no respect for, her, for, the, for his father. And we need to recognize that. We need to understand that. And the last thing is that women also need to resist the temptation to be contentious. Every woman in the world is tempted, according to the word of God, to try to change her husband by nagging him to death. And God says, don't even do it because it's not going to work. But it's by the quiet, sweet, submissive spirit as you demonstrate these other character traits that a woman will model true femininity which is every woman that models this will, will basically involve character traits in her own life or develop character traits that are precious in the sight of God and so impressive to her husband that he can't help but being changed by God. That's what 
a woman's role is. That's what a wife's role is. And, you know, I, I ran across several men who said, look, Chuck, you know what? I know that we're supposed to do the thing on the husbands, but I was watching some of the wives, and they were really having a hard time keeping up with the notes and stuff. And uh, they, they encouraged me in, in many different ways, tried to encourage me to take at least the first 15, 20 minutes just to review these points right here to make sure that they wouldn't be missed. No? Well, and I also noticed, too, that how many of you, hey, let me ask you quite late, how many of your husbands try to take you away this weekend for the first time in 28 years? You know what I'm saying? Oh, the husband think, why don't we just sleep in on Sunday? You know, why don't we go away for the, well, that's too bad. That's not going to work either. So, sorry if you expect it. No, I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll go ahead and let's do the distinct role of a husband. If you got your Bibles, look at 1 Peter chapter 3. And it's, it's summed up for us, and which is incredible, in one verse. You know, I, I love this because, now stop and think about this for a second. As we get into this, you'll appreciate how true this is. And I started, I, I cracked up laughing when I was looking at this. Because last time, we saw that there were four character traits that a woman should develop in her life that would be precious to God, impressive to her husband, and, and it took six verses to get these accomplished. It's as though God knows how to communicate to a woman. Now he gets to verse 7 and he says, listen guys, it's all here in one verse for you. Because if I try to explain it in six or seven, I'd probably lose you after the first one. So we're just going to get right to the point and just get down to it. Verse seven, everything that we need as far as a husband, what we should be for, for our wives, is found in verse seven. And that basically is this. You husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel since she's a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. That's it. It's all right there. Okay, now, one other thing we got to get out of the way, real quick. We got to get th this out of the way. Okay, every, every, every wife that's here, every wife that's here, stand up a second. Come on, just stand up now. All right, every one of you. Okay, you're all wives, right? Okay, now, listen up. Now you can't stand. Okay, now you can see me. Just kind of just do this one time. <clears throat> let's go. Go, let's go. On three. One, two, three. <clears throat> All right, now that's the last time you can do that this morning, okay? The old elbow thing now. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And there's one other thing you can't do anymore. You can't go like this. <coughs> can't do that either. And you can't give them the look. You know the look, guys? You know what look I'm talking about? They're like... <laughs> I'd say something and I'd nag, but I found that I'm not supposed to. Okay, now, now we got that out of the way, we can just concentrate on business here. All right, the key, once again, in understanding what God's trying to get across to us as husbands is this, the word likewise. You see that in verse 7? You husbands, likewise. Likewise what? In a similar manner, in a similar way, in a similar way to what? Likewise to what? We've already talked about the fact that the key to our relationships is submission. Likewise, in a similar manner, husbands are to be submissive to their wives. Uh, uh, what? Some of you guys are going to go, what? I'm telling you, listen up here. What we fail to understand is that marriage involves mutual submission. You say, well, prove that. Well, you know, we've already gone through this, and let me just run it through you again. Likewise, is a continuation of thoughts that have preceded this from, verse, from chapter 2 all the way into chapter 3. What God is saying this, 
Likewise, as husbands, we are to be submissive to our wives, as wives are to be submissive to their husbands, as Jesus Christ was submissive to the will of God the Father, as employees are submissive to their employers, and as citizens were submissive to the government under which we are governed. So this continuation of thought goes all the way through this. So if we're to understand something here, gentlemen, we need to understand that our first responsibility to our wives to be the kind of husband that God wants us to be is to understand there's such a thing as mutual submission. We are to submit to them in a way that is pleasing to God. Now the question is, in what way is that? And that's really what we're looking at. And as we go through verse 7, there are six distinct roles or character traits that we need to develop as men just as our wives needed to develop the four that we went through, we are to be submissive to them in the following way. Number one, we're to strive to live with our wives in an understanding way. Now, as we will go through this, you'll understand why grace is so important, because this isn't going to be easy for any of us. That we are to strive to live with our wives in an understanding way. Now, personalize this so that when you leave here today, it makes more sense. i got to ask myself the question, what is my responsibility to my wife? I am to strive to live with her in an understanding way. Now understand what it means to live with. Live with means to be there with her. To be there. Now some of us will say, but you know what, but, but I am there. Well, and, that's, and, and, and we're content to just be physically in the same house. I mean, you hear men say this all the time. Look, if I wanted to leave you, I wouldn't be here. But it's like she's saying, but you know what? It doesn't make any difference whether you're here or not. Because you just look like part of the furniture. You look like, you know, a big cushion in, in your chair. That's all you look like. You just look like a big old throw pillow sitting over there. I mean, what it means is that we need to strive to be with our wives. If we're going to live with them, we have to be there for them. That means we can't hide behind a newspaper. And we can't hide behind a television set. And we can't hide out in the yard or we can't hide out in the shop if we've got hobbies and we can't hide under the car. And we can't hide in, in the attic or whatever. And don't forget now, if you're naggy, that's where he's going first place, you know. But, but understand, we got to be there. Why? You know what a wife wants? She wants to relate to you. My wife wants to relate to me. See why it takes grace? Because I don't even know what relating means. I'm like, but, but, but God's saying is you got to be there. I, yesterday I found out, this is, ladies, this is the last weekend. For 27 following weekends, there's going to be NFL football on TV. <laughs> this is it. So one guy said to his wife, honey, is there any last words you want to say to me before the season starts? <laughs> this is it. This is your last weekend maybe to relate. But see, that's the problem, isn't it? But we say, as a guy, here's what we go. Oh, you know, I'm going to take my wife out to dinner. Oh, okay, good, yeah, take your wife out of dinner, great, because, you know, we need to spend some time together, we need to have a date night, because, man, you know, I can tell that I haven't been spending enough time with her, I haven't been living with her, I've been doing my own thing. So, we, we go out to dinner, and then what do we do? We take a cell phone, we take a beeper, and we hope, we hope someone beeps us. Or we do like, like Linda and I do, we sit and look at all the rest of the people not talking to each other. And it's a good thing they're not talking to each other, because then we wouldn't have anything to talk about. You know, it's like, we don't know. It's like, we got to relate here. And so what God's saying is, Chuck, you got to strive to live with. You got to be there. You got to relate to your wife. You, you have to make her feel like, you know what, that she's more important than the remote control ESPN and picture in picture all wrapped into one. That's what she wants to feel like, that she's the most important person in my life. Right, ladies? 
Is that what you want? I, I'm asking questions here. You know? well, I mean, you got you to look at that. They want their undivided attention. That means, you know, when she's talking to you, look at her. You know, not out of the corner of your eyes, but look at her eyes. And, and, you know, and if you understand, nod or something. You know, it's like blink once for yes and twice for no. You know, it's like we're all in a coma, guys. You know, it's like she's talking to you and look at her and go. Now, now, here, now, listen up now. Let me tell you something. Ladies, now, if they start trying to apply this stuff, don't say, well, the only reason you're doing this is because he told you to do it. That's the only reason we take out the trash, right? I mean, so give us a break. If this is what we're going to do, let's get, give it a shot here, right? So be kind. I mean, you, husbands, your wife wants to talk to you. Now, ladies, be kind about this. I had a friend who was watching the NCAA championship basketball game. It was like a two-point game with two seconds left, and they were inbounding the ball. Now, I understand this for a second. A three-point wins, the two sends it into overtime. If you miss, you lose. You go home. His wife grabbed the channel changer and shut off the TV and said, I think it's time we have a talk. Now, now, ladies, you say, oh, my wife, my husband's not very emotional. Well, you want to see a grown man cry, you just grab that remote right then. Now, be sensitive. There are times that are good times to talk, and there are times that aren't the best times to talk. You know what I'm saying? So be sensitive to that. But husbands, make an effort to live with your wives. Now, thankfully, and thank the Lord, he doesn't say, understand your wife. <laughs> right? Now, it doesn't say that. Now, let me read it to you again. Husbands, likewise, live with your wives, what? In an understanding way. Gary Smalley in his book writes, in his book, If Only He Knows, speaking of if only he knew, man, if we only knew this about our women, he said this, I would venture to say that most marital difficulties surround one fact. Men and women are totally different. The differences, emotionally, mental, physically, are so extreme that without a concentrated effort to understand them, it's nearly impossible to have a happy marriage. Famous psychiatrist once said, after 30 years of studying, studying women, I ask myself, what is it that they really want? And he says, if that was his conclusion, just imagine how little any of us have, know about our wives. But in order to live with them in an understanding way, men, listen to me, we have got to become students of our wives. We have got to become students of our wives. We have got to take the time to study them, to understand them, to know what makes them tick to know what not to say, to know what to say, know when to say it, be sensitive to all these things. We gotta take time and it takes effort, that's why I say to strive to live with our wives in an understanding way. Because it's not gonna be easy. Because we're so different, we're wired so different that it's gonna take an effort. But you know what's amazing to me, and you stop and think about this, if you're in business, man, I, every guy that I know in business wants to be successful in business, you know what he does? Man, he makes every effort in the world to understand his customers, to understand his demographics, to understand his customer base, to understand what makes him tick, what not to say, what to say, what way to lead him, what direction to go, what they like, what they don't like. We make every effort in the world. We go to seminars and we do research and we buy books and magazines and we study because we want to be good at what we do, right? And what do we do? I mean, that's, that's the way we are. We, we strive to be good. I love sports and athletics. Man, I'll tell you what, I see guys putting so much effort and time in to be successful in athletics. It's amazing to me. 
You know, we, we're going through, we went through a baseball tournament. I got some friends here who are still in this tournament. Their senior team won their district, and now they're moving on to the next section. And you know what? And I see all these guys sitting around watching the game, and I see guys from La Habra and Garden Grove, and I see guys from another city in this city, and they've got a chart, and they've got books, and they're keeping track of what, who to pitch, whether they're going to hit a fastball or a curveball, or whether to pitch them inside, outside, and where to position their defensive players, and who can pitch and who can't pitch and who can hit and who can't. And they're charting, and they're graphing, and they're doing all this. Man, I mean, why? Because they want to be good at what they do. Why? Because they want to win, because that's how we're wired. It's not, hey, how did you do? It's, did you win or did you lose? That's how guys talk to each other. Did you win or did you lose? And if we lost, we have 50 million good reasons why we lost, and none of it was coaching. It never is. It's execution. The coaching was there. And I mean, we do this, and, and that's not even talking about guys that are in professional sports and the time that they put in. I know guys in the NFL who don't even go home, man. They sleep in their office, and they read, and they read everything they can, and every scouting chart, and they look at every film, and they look at tendencies, and they do all this stuff. Why? So they can win. They can be winners. Now, let me ask you a question. Sir, when was the last time you put in half that amount of effort to understand your wife? 80% of books that are bought on marriage and family are bought by women. And the sad thing is that that's not where the problem is. The problem is with us. It's with men who don't take time to understand our wives. We don't take time to buy a book on understanding what, what a wife is. If only you knew, great book, little paperback. I'm challenging you. Go out and buy a Christian bookstore. Gary Smalley, if only you knew. It's only this big. You'll like it. But there's so much in it, and it requires effort to do that. And you know what we say? I don't have time to read a book on marriage. I'm too busy. And you know what your wife's hearing? I'm not the most important thing in your life. Wow. See, we need to understand this. We, we need to ask ourselves some tough personal questions. When was the last time we read a book on how to be a better husband? When was the last time we read a book on how to be a better father? When was the last time we went to a seminar or did research or spent time understanding these things? See, if we're going to strive to live with our wives in an understanding way, we've got to make an effort to do it. And that's simple, but it's hard, isn't it? And that's why it takes grace to be able to do it. The second thing is we also need to, if we're understanding our wives, we need to be sensitive to the physical and emotional differences between us. Men and women are totally different. I mean, we need to understand this. Look what he says. He says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Look, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman... Now, people will be offended by that. Women say, oh, that, that's, that's sexist or something. No, it's not. Understand that God is saying on a comparative basis that women are different than men. And I think it's important that we recognize that. So we need to look at this and understand that there are differences physically, emotionally, mentally that we need to be aware of if we're going to live with them in an understanding way. Let me give you one example. Women tend to be more personal. They're more relational. If it wasn't for my wife and her sending birthday cards and Christmas cards and cards for cards, cards day cards, I mean, I mean it's unbelievable. We send cards for everything. And if it wasn't for that and her effort to keep in track uh, with all our friends and our family and everybody else, they wouldn't even know where we are. And I just don't even think about that. It's like, but, she, but women are more, they're more personal. They're more relational. Uh, you know, I take pictures. I tell people, get out of the way. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the Matterhorn there. Get out of the way. Would you please? 
I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like the Eiffel Tower. Get out of there. You're messing it up. And meanwhile, Linda takes pictures. Oh, I don't, what's in the background? I don't know, but look who's there with, that was with us. Oh, remember that, and remember him, and remember her, and remember their family, and remember this, or remember that, and I'm going, <laughs> I mean, the only thing I remember is they messed up a good picture of the Matterhorn. You know what I mean? But, but and that's what she is. And, and she'll go, and she'll take pictures, and then she'll run and get them developed. And she'll go to the place that gets them developed in an hour. And she'll get two prints so she can send to other people who will appreciate these pictures. And then she goes and gets a photo of them, and she puts them right in there, and she labels them, and she got them. And, I mean, it's like, I don't get it. But she likes to do it. So I'm trying to understand why. I don't understand why, but I can live with her in an understanding way. Oh, while you're doing that, I'll go watch the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know, that type of thing. Anyway. But that's the way it is. You know, in videos. I mean, they do the video thing. We'll go and spend a day somewhere, and she'll video everything. And then we got to relive it the same night. We gotta watch it all over again. I was like, but well, I was just there. You know what I mean? I mean, just we're different. You know, what's the old thing? You know, men are conquerors and women are gatherers. You know what I'm saying? Shopping is a great illustration of how different men and women are. If I need a shirt, what do you think I'm gonna do? I'm gonna either send her to go get it. <laughs> and if I gotta go, then here's the way we shop. What color do I need? White. There it is. Right there. What size is it? Six and a half neck. There it is. Let's go. We're out of here. We conquered the shirt. We conquered the shirt. And I even set the little stopwatch. And we conquered that shirt. Not including driving time. We conquered that shirt in four and a half minutes. We're out of here. Let's go. And she's like, oh, no, not that shirt. Oh, why not? I don't understand. Well, because you don't understand shopping. We know that that shirt's there. And it ain't going nowhere. Because <laughs> it's just a shirt. Now, if it was a pair of pants, it might walk away, but it's a shirt. So we got to go all over the world while we're there so we can come back and get that same shirt. <laughs> Four and a half hours later, we're buying the same shirt. But that's shopping. See, that's the difference between men. Well, that's why vacation time is such a hard time for men. Because you know it was a man who invented the mini market, the AMPM concept of you can get gas, you can get a burger, and you can go to the bathroom all at the same place. And you can get back on the freeway before the guy you just passed up five miles ago passed you up. That's right. That's a conquer thing, right? Amen. That's right. And it's so funny is, you know, my son will be out there, he'll be pumping the gas, I'll be running and getting the stuff, the women will be in the bathroom, I'll be out, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, you know, and then we'll come back out, and we'll see that car coming, we'll jump back on the arm ramp, we'll beat him, we'll be high-fiving all the guys in the car, yeah, 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 hey, whoa, what happened there? We beat him. But they're not even going where we're going, and then they turn off somewhere, but we beat them to where they turned off, and that's all that matters. I mean, we're, we're just, that's the way we are. That's the way guys are. Now, ladies, you don't understand that. But you got to understand, that's the way we are. See, and we need to understand the way you are so we can all live peacefully and coexist with one another. You know, w women are more emotional. They're more emotional. I like that, like you know, it's, you ever see your wife crying? And say, like, are, are you crying? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I, 
How hard is that to figure out, right? She got a little kind of sprinkly look on her face, and there's tears coming out of her eyes. That's crying, guys. Okay, so don't ask. Are you crying? It was like in the movie A League of Their Own. Remember that? Tom Hanks, was, he was asking the players. It was a women's baseball team. He goes, are, are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying in baseball. It's like he didn't understand what in the world was going on here. I like the, uh, the little boy. I mean, because here's the way guys are, right? You see your wife crying. What's the first thing you think? There was a woman who went in to check on her six-year-old son. Son, six-year-old son after the North, North uh, Ridge earthquake, right? The whole house was thrashed. Stuff was thrown everywhere. She goes in to check on her son. She says, honey, are you okay? You know the first thing he says is, I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it. Right? That's the way people are. Well, I see my wife crying. The first thing I'm thinking is, did I do that? Did I do that? I didn't do that. And then we're all messed up walking around, and then she's like, I don't want to talk about it right now. Just tell me this. Did I do it or not? Because if I didn't do it, I'll go back and watch the game. That's all. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, see, we understand that, you know, women are more relational. They're, they're more tuned into their surroundings. That's why it's so important what a woman's house looks like for the most part. Most women. Now, I mean, he and air conditioning, I go into people's homes, man, I see some stuff, it's like, <laughs> you know, ah, no, that's all right. No, sit here. No, I don't want to sit there. I don't even want to be here. No, I say that. But it's like, but that's why it's real important for us as men to fix stuff around the house, right? I remember we had a circuit blowout in our bathroom. And I'm thinking, well, so my wife can use the circuit to, to use the hairdryer to dry her hair, right? But I'm thinking, you know what, though? We got a million circuits around the house. So they're downstairs in the family room drying their hair. And I'm thinking, what's the problem? <laughs> she thought it was a huge problem. And I just thought, well, hey, it's another plug. Plug it in, blow your, you know, your hair. There you go. Now nah, it doesn't work that way. You need to fix whatever it is that needs fixed. See, because they think that's important. And that's part of striving to live with your wife in an understanding way. See, those are all the emotional differences and all those kind of things, and, and we need to recognize that, that we're just different. We had a friend call the other night, and uh, they were telling us, they were giving us their birth announcement. They just had a baby. And, uh, you know, I, how many of us have ever done this, guys, right? Oh, great. Everyone okay? Yeah, great. All right. Now, there's some details here <laughs> that, my, that my wife likes to know. Name, you know, length of labor, length of baby, weight. You know, all that kind of stuff. And then, it's not just, that's not enough. Name. Why'd they name her that? <laughs> is there someone in their family? Is there, is there some significance to it? <laughs> now I'm thinking, you know, I just got down to where I'm finally asking for the name and the weight and all that stuff. Now it's like, why did you name them that? So, I, you know, it's just different. We're different, right? Meanwhile, I get the husband on the phone. He, he just retired from the NFL. Uh, hey, everything okay? Yeah, everything went great. Oh, great, congratulations. Hey, so uh, what are you going to do now that you're retired? And we just go off on a whole new conversation. And now my wife gets back on. She's asking how many ice chips his wife consumed, you know, or something like that. You know, and it's the details. I'm not, I just don't understand all that. But I understand that I need to live with her in an understanding way. We're just different. Now, the, the, the emotional differences are one. Now, the physical differences are really something, guys, we need to pay attention to. Now, listen to me. This doctor, Paul Popino, he was the founder of the American Institute of Family Relations in Los Angeles, dedicated his, all his productive years to the research of biological differences between the sexes. Here's some of the things he came up with. A woman has greater constitutional vitality, perhaps because of her unique chromosome makeup. Normally, a female outlives a male by four to eight years in the U.S. 
and it's even longer if she's nagged him to death. No. <laughs> that a woman's metabolism is normally lower than a man's. I mean, he goes on and says that a woman has several unique and important functions, menstruation, pregnancy, lactation. A woman's hormones are of a different type and more numerous than a man's. Now, if you're going to be a student of your wife, you need to understand these truths about your wife. Now, I don't understand a menstrual cycle. I mean, technically, logically, we can, you can get it right in biology class, right? But I, I don't understand the effects of it. I don't understand the emotional effects, the physical effects, because I never had to go through that. I don't understand menopause, and I don't understand hot flashes, and I don't understand how well, when a woman is younger, she's always cold, and when she's older, she's always hot. I don't understand all that. But I'll tell you what, I understand PMS, but it's definitely worth looking into. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I don't understand why, you know, grandma starts looking like grandpa. I don't understand that. I mean, and if you got, you're going through the PMS thing, man, I'll tell you what, you know, if you're married to Dr. Jekyll and I better hide, you know what I mean? It's something that you want to check out, you know? You just need to check it out. You need to understand it because it's worth looking into. You need a, I mean, it's like, you almost got like a wall chart. See, if, if your wife's going through it and then you've got older daughters that go through stuff like that, I mean, you have a wall chart going for you, and if God's not gracious to your family, you got about two good days out of a month. <laughs> so don't even mess those two days up, because it starts all over again, you know what I mean? But we need to understand these things. We need to recognize these are truths. We need to go, here's a typical man, right? I don't understand. I mean, PMS, cramps, water retention, hot flash, I don't understand anything. Typical guy. You know what? She sure can ruin my day when she's going through that. Isn't that a typical guy's response? Now, I don't understand. Now, stop thinking about this for a second, folks. Amen. You think she's having much of a good day? <laughs> if it can ruin your day, it's certainly not doing much for her day. And we need to be sensitive to that. We need to recognize that, and, and we need to adjust to it, and we need to adjust our schedules to it, and we need to be sensitive to the differences between men and women. Now, ladies, listen to me for a second. The greatest injustice that's ever been done to women in, in, is the whole notion that women should somehow or another be treated equally with men. That's the greatest injustice that's ever been done to women on the face of the earth. Why? Because it creates a competitive spirit between men, and we live for competition. We strive to seek and destroy. We strive to conquer. And if you're going to be the same as us, and you want to be treated like a man, then we're going to treat you like a man. And that's the, 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 see, and to me, that's the dumbest thing that's ever happened in our culture, where you see a woman who's trying to carry a fire hose, you know, 500-pound fire hose up a ladder. Because we want equal employment. That's ludicrous. That's an exception. If you can find a woman that can do that, that's an exception. That's not the norm. God didn't design women to be like that. He designed women to be women and men to be men, and it's time we understand something. The greatest injustice is when a woman wants to be treated like a man. You want your husband to be sensitive and understanding, then be a woman. And don't be a man. And then you teach and train your daughters to grow up to be women. That they can expect that the man that they meet will treat them with sensitivity and understanding. That they'll hug them and caress them when they're crying without having to know all the reasons why you're crying. That they'll be when they're going through physical changes in life. They don't have to understand them, but they have to live with them in an understanding way. See, that's the difference between the two. And let me tell you another thing, buddy. Don't you ever, ever 
Use your physical difference to suppress your wife. Don't emotionally berate her. Don't verbally berate her. Don't physically threaten her or intimidate her. If that's happening in your relationship, like Chuck said, it is wrong. And you need help. And you need to stop. And you need to confess it before God. You need to confess it before your wife. You need to confess it before your family. And if you can't control it, then you need to seek help. And if you're a woman who's allowing your husband to do that to you, then you're just equally as to blame from the standpoint that you need to get out of that environment and you need to go somewhere where you'll be helped so that your marriage can be restored as God intended it to be. Because the Bible teaches that perfect love casts out all fear. That a husband is to, be, is to nourish his wife and to cherish his wife. The word nourished is the same word that's used of a bird that, that takes its little young under its wing and covers it with warmth and protection. It's the same term that's used, that a husband should be warm and compassionate, protecting his wife and his family from, from anything outside that would try to destroy it. That he should cherish his wife, that he should love his wife as Jesus Christ loved the church. That we need to understand that that's our role, to be compassionate and sensitive. Now let me ask you a question. Sir, remember the last time your wife was sick? How compassionate were you? How caring were you? How sensitive were you? Were you a nurse that went to meet her needs and asked her what you can do? Or you just leave her up in the room, shut the door, and hope she comes out in a couple of days? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there, 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 there's the challenge there. We need to understand that. Because if we're not, then there's something wrong. I like the story of two guys are out fishing on a Sunday morning. They're starting to feel a little guilty because the fish aren't biting. And the one guy looks at the other guy and says, you know what? Man, we should have went to church this morning. And his buddy that's fishing with him says, nah, I couldn't have gone anyway. He goes, well, why not? Because oh, my wife's been home sick in bed for three days. That's a guy thing, man. That's the way we are sometimes as men. It's like we need to be sensitive. And you know what? And the reason most men won't like this whole idea of being sensitive is because we may have to start to pitch in and help around the house. And we don't want to do that. I love this story. It's my favorite story. One of my favorite stories it had to do with a magazine article that discussed the marriage of uh, Senator Bob Dole and his wife, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, at the time, was the, the Department of Transportation uh, leader. Uh, the cabinet position was the head of the Department of Transportation. She went on to be the head of the Red Cross. But anyway, there was a magazine that came out to their house to do an article on their marriage. And the spread contained a photo of, of Senator Dole, and he was helping his wife make their bed. And one guy who saw that picture wrote him an incensed letter and saying, you know what, this is what he said. He goes, you know, why in the world would you do something like that and have someone take a picture of a man doing such a thing around the house? Are you crazy? Senator Dole wrote this back. He said, buddy, you don't know the half of it. The only reason that she was helping me is because the photographer was there. <laughs> I love that. It's like, hey, you know what? It's okay. It's all right to help out around the house. Because really, you know, it really is okay to do that. And God requires that. Men, let me ask you, does your wife find warmth and compassion and sensitivity and understanding and protection in your relationship? If she does, then you get a handle on this. If she doesn't, then you got some homework to do. And it's time that you start doing it. Number three is we need to see our wives as a spiritual partner spiritual partner. He says, you know, since she's a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. She's a spiritual partner. You know, it's amazing being in business and having a partnership and knowing other men that have partnerships. It's amazing how much effort that we put to make sure that our partnerships, that everybody's happy. 
All the time that we spend, make sure that somebody's not working harder than the other, somebody's not getting wages higher than another, somebody's not taking other benefits that's different than the other. We spend all this time, effort, and energy, all this communication to make sure that the partnership's going along good. Guys that are on the team, to make sure everybody's happy. You're happy in the position you're playing? Let's talk about it. Here's why we're doing it. We want a cohesiveness, man. We want, we want unity is what we want because every guy in the world knows you can't win on a team if, they're not, if you don't have unity. A team that's divided will be destroyed, and the same is true of our homes. If we don't have unity at home, our homes are going to fall apart. And we see that effort and energy put into other areas of life. And so what God is saying is, Chuck, see your wife as a spiritual partner. She's your partner. You know what? I cannot have any type of effective ministry in the lives of other people if my wife's not in my corner. If she's not supporting me and encouraging me and being behind me and saying, yeah, all right, yeah, he's got some work to do, but you know what, I can at least say this, that what he says that he's doing, he's trying to do, and he's making an effort, and he's a lot better than he was before, and he's, he's, there's progress being made, and he's not hypocritical. Man, if you want to be effective for the cause of Christ in the world that he has put you in, then you've got to spend time and nourish and develop that partnership because you need that to have any grounds to be able to speak to people that you come in contact with. How hypocritical it is to say, you know what, you need to know God. You need to turn to Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul, for the forgiveness of your sin, and watch this guy whose whole family's falling apart around him and say, what, is that what your God has to offer? But when your wife loves you and your family's supporting of you, is supportive of you and you're moving in a direction and the world looks at that and says, you know what, I'm not sure I understand this, but I like their family. I like his wife and I like his children and I like what I see and there's something attractive about all of that. We need, to, we need to recognize how important that is. And every man will tell you this is the truth. Ladies, I don't care if the whole world's against us. The whole world can cave in on us. But if we can come home, and you're encouragement, and you're supportive, and you're there, and you're behind us, and you say, it's all right, honey, and you share a little of that grace of oil that goes with that relationship, we can go back out and take on the world. Amen. Isn't that the truth? But if we go home and everything else is going great in our life and we come home and you destroy us and you slam us and you don't respect us and you don't recognize our leadership and you nag us and you harp all over us, we are defeated. Nothing else in life is important as making sure that I'm successful as a husband and as a father. All the rest just falls into place. We need to recognize that. We need to see our wife and that's our responsibility to understand that she is a spiritual partner. Number four, we need to speak well of her before others. It means to grant her honor, to lift her up. Man, when a guy first meets a gal and he falls in love, she's the best thing since remote control. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we go around, we tell everybody, oh, you should see who I met. Oh, man, she is something else. Oh, man, she's something else. Oh, man. See, that's where we get all this expectations thing, too, because this is the same guy who used to call you all the time just to hear your voice on the other end. Just sat there. You ever see your teenage kids do it? <laughs> and you're looking in like, is there anybody on the phone? <laughs> no, but we're just making contact. <laughs> oh, man. See, we do all that, and then you expect that. So then all of a sudden, the guy gets married. He goes, conquered it. Don't have to talk anymore. But God says, you know what? You need to speak well of her. You need to build her up in front of other people. You need to praise her. Proverbs 31, 28 says, An excellent wife. Her children rise up and bless her, and her husband also. And he praises her. I like Proverbs 31. It's an acrostic. It's a poem. Now, I, I did this one time. I gave this out as an assignment, okay? It's a poem written to this guy's wife. 
30, Proverbs 31. You go through it, and every one of them start with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. All right? And listen, now, now don't get all nervous now because it doesn't have to rhyme. Okay? So it'll be all right. But what he does is, what I, what I suggest that you do, I mean, husband, sit down sometime and just start with the letter A and write all the reasons that you love your wife. A, because she's always in my corner. B, because she's as beautiful as she was the day that I met her. C, because she's caring and kind. <laughs> now, now, lady, now listen now. When he gives you this, don't go criticizing his spelling. Well, look at that, kind. That's not what that is. C. You know what I'm saying? Now, don't, I mean, just give him, give him a chance to try to do something that he normally doesn't do. But what a great assignment that would be. You want to speak well of your wife? Start to praise her. And you know what happens to marriages? And here's what I've seen. Marriages that are falling apart. You know what I see guys do? Just tear their wives up in front of other men. My wife's this. My wife's that. Blah, 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 blah. See, you know what happens then? He's, he starts painting himself into a corner. Because he's talking about how all his wife's all these things. And he's just ripping her apart. And he's telling all his friends. And he's telling all his buddies. My wife's this. My wife's that. My wife doesn't do this. My wife doesn't do that. So he starts painting himself in the corner. Now all of a sudden what? You say, you know what though? But you can work it out. I can't work it out now. Why not? Because I already told everybody that, you know, she's all these things. And I look stupid to have to go try to work these things out. Man, listen, let, let me tell you something, sir. Don't you ever criticize your wife in front of another person, ever. Because you will live to regret it. You build her up. Even if you're struggling with areas of your life, you find the positive things and you build her up. And you praise her. And you thank God for her. And you bless her with your words. And you sit down and write her a poem that doesn't even have to rhyme, but just tell her how much she means to you. And give him a chance to do it. You know, and don't say, you only did it because you heard it on Sunday. Let him do it if he wants to do it. I mean, that's a starting point. Number five goes along with it. See, see her as a great blessing. Your wife is a tremendous blessing. We know you. She's a great blessing to you. She's your biggest asset. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know you, sir. And you are fortunate to have the wife that you do because you'd be a total idiot without her. You know, she's balancing you out. And that's true. She's a great blessing. And then the last thing is this. And we can't get away from this, and it's important that we understand it. But he says, You husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel since she's a woman. Grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Look at the purpose of it all, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow. You, know, you realize what that's saying? You have a guy come up to you sometimes and say, Hey, what's going on in your life? Well, this, that, and the other. Hey, man, you know, I'll pray for you. First thing you got to ask him is, hey, how's things going with you and your wife? Think about that. How's things with you and your wife? Eh, not that good right now. You know, we're going through a couple of things. Well, listen, you know what? I got a suggestion for you. <laughs> don't waste time praying for me. Don't even waste that time and effort and energy to pray for me. Go home and use that same time, energy, and effort to make things right with your wife. And then after they are, then you can pray for me all you want because I sure can use your prayers. But until then, the Bible says God's not even really hearing what you're saying. Do you understand how important that is? Wow. The distinct role of a husband. Strive to live with your wife in an understanding way. Be sensitive to physical, emotional differences. See your wife as a spiritual partner. Speak well of her before others. See, see your wife as a great blessing. And seek re reconciliation when it's appropriate. You know, I'm going to close with this one thought because it, it really, it's my firm conviction that 
there wouldn't be nearly as many fractured families, dysfunctional families destroyed by affairs, abuse, disunity, divorce, if we simply took the time to meet one another's needs. Just to meet one another's needs. That's all that it takes. You know, we saw what those needs are. But there's a, a gentleman, I want to use what he came up with because it's fascinating to me. And this is the way we are. This guy, Dr. Willard Harley, wrote a book called His Needs and Her Needs. And he did an in-depth study of extramarital affairs and how to avoid them. He invested more than 20 years of career counseling, married couples, many of whom were engaged in affairs. And it was during those years he gathered 15,000 questionnaires that dealt with what the causes of that situation were. Now, obviously, there are some exceptions, but he came up to these conclusions as far as the five major needs for women and five major needs for men. The five major needs for women. And isn't it interesting how much of that falls right in line with what we just talked about? Number one, a woman's number one need is affection. To feel loved, to feel appreciated, to have tenderness and compassion, and all the things we just talked about. To be nourished and to be cherished. To be able to have conversations and to relate to her husband. To be able to talk. I get guys all day long, they say, I've been talking all day. I've got to deal with people all day. Give me some time to be by myself. I don't want to talk anymore. It's like, well, what are you saying? You've been dealing with people all day. Isn't your wife a person? Aren't your children a people? I mean, they're people too. They're just one more of the people category. So you can't say, I've been dealing with people all day. Now I don't want to have to deal with you people. To have a conversation, to be honest and open, to have their needs met financially, to be able to be taken care of, to have a commitment, to have a husband who's committed to his wife and to his family, and to know that he's there for the lifelong commitment. There's nothing that's going to happen that's going to separate that man from his wife and from his children. That's what every woman wants. Every man wants sexual fulfillment. And that's why the two go hand in hand. She's getting the affection out of it. He's getting the sexual fulfillment out of it. We want recreational companionship. We want somebody to do stuff with. That's why the best thing in the world is to find a hobby that the two of you can do together. Something you enjoy doing as a couple to spend time together. To have an attractive spouse, a woman who takes care of herself and cares about what she looks like. So when she walks around, he can say, that's my wife. And he can bless her and he can praise her. And isn't she wonderful? And look at her. You wish she was yours, but she's not. She's mine. <laughs> you know, that's what we're looking at. To have, you know, the support of a wife who says, I'm there for you, honey. And to be admired and to be respected. For a woman to say, you know what? I appreciate what you do for me. I appreciate what you do for our family. I appreciate you going to work and fighting the battle. See, you know, and, and what's happening here with all this role reversal and all this garbage is that we're getting confused as to our identity. We've got women who say, you know, I don't have to appreciate that anymore because I'm providing for myself. And then she doesn't have to be affectionate toward him, and he doesn't have to be affectionate toward her, her and, and all this mess goes on, and it's a mess. Why? Because we've lost the fact that God requires a husband to be a husband and a wife to be a wife. And we need to get back to the basics. We need to understand it. You know, this past, oh, well, this guy was a few weeks ago. Uh, we went to see Apollo 13. Anybody see that movie, Apollo 13? Wow, it's a great movie. I love the movie. But there's a couple things in the movie that reminded me of everything that we're talking about. The actress Celeste Holm, when she was speaking, she said, We live by encouragement and we die without it, slowly, sadly, and angrily. And isn't that true? But in this particular movie, right, there's a story about, you know, uh, three men that are in space are going to do a moon landing, but something goes wrong in the cabin, there's an explosion. And anyway, they're having a hard time getting back to Earth, yet alone land on the moon. So they just say, forget that, we're going to come back. 
And there's a struggle that's going on as far as command center. You know, what are we going to do here? What's going on? There's lives at stake. And you know what's fascinating to me was, there wasn't anybody in that room that said, oh, well, it just didn't work out. Let's go home. Oh, it's 5 o'clock, time to punch out. You know what I'm saying? Every one of those men that were in that room said, you know what? There are lives at stake, and we're going to bring them back. The, the, uh, the commander of the control mission there said, you know what? The guy who's played by Ed Harris in the movie said, you know, we've never lost an astronaut in space, and we're not going to do it on my shift. We're not going to do it on my watch. And one guy said, you know what? This is going to be the greatest embarrassment that ever hit the space program. And he looked at him and said, you know what? Or this could be our crowning moment. This could be our moment of glory. It could be an embarrassment or a moment of glory. There are lives at stake, and I ain't going to let it happen, not on my watch. Listen to me, buddy. There are lives at stake, and you better not lose your family, not on your watch. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this time to be together. We thank you for your word that is so full of truth. We thank you for your grace that makes it possible to even do any of these things. God, help us to appreciate the differences between men and women and help us to understand if we're a wife here today, the role that we have as women. If we're a husband, the role that we have as husbands. If we're a single person, the role that we'll have in the future should you choose that we be married. God, help us to understand that there are lives at stake. And we just can't walk from it. We can't punch out. We can't say, oh, well. But we've got to do what you require us to do. And as those lives are saved, we have no one to thank but you because you give us the answer, you give us the direction, you give us the strength to be the kind of men that we need to be, to be the kind of husbands that our wives expect and the kind of fathers that our children deserve. And we just thank you and praise you in Christ's name.